Yeah, I want to say hi there, folks, but fuck it. I like to talk about Miramichi. I like to talk about sports. It's in my wheelhouse. We have hosted major midget Atlantics and then had our team ripped away from us thanks to Hockey New Brunswick. That still pisses me off. What I love about it is that you remember it one way, I remember it another, but we'll both remember it as The Run. Hi there, it's Patty, and this is The Run, podcast number one, an Iron House Productions presentation. Over the course of this podcast, we'll be talking about all things sports in Miramichi, New Brunswick, and abroad. We have a long, rich, and storied history to dive into, and all kinds of present-day sports items to talk about, and I will do so with various guests. My first guest is my good friend Jerry Green, and Jerry will be a regular on the run. In podcast number one, we touch on the Miramichi Gagnon Packers, Miramichi Tim Hortons Leafs, Miramichi Timberwolves, Chatham Senior Ironman, and we chat about how we cross paths doing play-by-play and color commentary for the Miramichi Timberwolves, and everything in between. As you would expect, we go off on a few tangents. We like talking, we like talking sports, so bear with us, and we hope you will enjoy The Run. Let's get started with some background on Jerry. All right, so let's uh, get some background uh, on yourself here, just to... uh Throw the gauntlet down, so to speak. Uh, you located to Miramichi uh, around uh, what era? Well, it would have been 1987, mm-hmm. and uh, moved to New Brunswick from from Winnipeg um, to come work in radio, and and uh, started in the uh, CFAN, and worked in Fredericton, and worked back here, and and uh, then things in TV as well with the Rogers Group, and mm-hmm. so, but you know, always involved. With local sports, be it a broadcaster or a volunteer or, you know, whatever facet they needed me in. And so that's, uh, you know, certainly had a a ringside seat, if you will, for anything that went on in sports in this neck of the woods. All right. So that's a good entry point because in 1987, as fans will recall, that would be one year removed from the great Hardy Cup championship. And, uh, of course, uh, made a run, as I recall, uh, for the Allen Cup, but fell back to the Hardy Cup, which was emblematic at the time of the intermediate uh, championship. But uh, it's still one of those championships, uh, uh, Jerry, that folks of our generation and the ones uh, before us, when you say Miramichi Gagnon Packers, it just conjures up nothing but great memories. Everyone has their own take on it, their own spin on it, and their own memories. So mm. you move into town after the hullabaloo of the big championship. The spring of, yes. But they're still running hot. Oh, they're still running hot. It's still a huge topic of conversation when, you know, and I, and I do have a, a, it wasn't like I came to this area not knowing anything about it. No, no, no. Um, I have family and and, uh, and relatives that live in this area that that uh, certainly when you started to talk to them, it says, you know, you're going to work at the radio station. You're going to be their sports guy and, and DJ and stuff. And I said, yeah, I said, well, gee, the Packers were the big news. What a time it was. And it was all about most of the time when you talk to the average fan about it, it was about. Um, the crowd and how big the crowd was and how packed the new arena was because they had a brand new Civic Center. Absolutely. I was just going to jump in there and uh, interrupt. Uh, Let us not forget that the Civic Center after the Sinclair had burned down showroom ready, uh, as they say, it still had that new car smell on it. Absolutely. You know what? I don't want to say they were nearly a pro hockey team, but when you look back at that roster and where they all came from, I think by and large, Jerry, uh, a lot of those um, like uh, Boutin and Bois, Bellavo, am I crazy, or were they all former of the UDM Aigle Blue there that won the big? Yeah, Len Grenier and that and that, that bunch that uh, that uh, you know Dale Hicks and Edmund Gagnon brought with them from uh, Moncton, 
um, or from the Capillet uh, days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, they, you know, they threw in the local blend and not only not only the local blend on the ice, but, you know, Bev Bond behind the behind the bench was uh, the local flavor, too. All right. Well, let's dive through the local flavor and uh, please uh, jump in here or correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I remember. And again, uh, for some context here, uh, 1986, 87, I am. 10 years old. Uh, so bear with me here. I'm super fanboy at best. <laughs> Watling for sure. He was a captain. Jamie, Jamie Watling, Watling, that yeah. is. And then you had Larry McDonald, Ronnie right. Hardy, the Pinder boys, Eddie and Pinder, Peter. Eddie and Pinder, yeah. Matheson. A Gary Matheson, yes. yes. I don't know if Barry Colpitz was a local guy or not. I don't think he was. I think he was a solid defenseman from mm-hmm. maybe the Capilla area. Never, you know, Dixie Bellavo, those types of guys right. that came again from southern New Brunswick. Mm-hmm. Um, but elsewhere up front... Um, I don't think there was any more than that. I don't think so either. By and large, again, uh, and the, the takeaway for me, well, first of all, they were like an NHL team to a 10-year-old. I thought you threw at me uh, further down the road. It, it was like going to Maple Leaf Gardens or the old Forum in Montreal. Like As a 10-year-old, brand new arena with, you know, what would be there, Jerry? 2,500 to 3,000 people? Oh, I, the word was, you know, um, and again, I didn't experience it, but what everybody told me, there was 3,000 in the ring. Right. People would sit in the aisles yeah. between each section. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, people loved standing room in this area and, right. and they stood everywhere they could probably three or four deep you know along at ice level so uh the word was it was three thousand the takeaway for me again 10 year old fanboy was eve lavois net he was just yes unbelievable man oh man nothing but uh good memories uh from uh, that particular run and as i said it's funny how uh you know 30 plus years on it still resonates with us. You and I are at a Timberwolves game on a Saturday night, and we say, hey, do you remember the time the Packers played Dartmouth or Camelton or Charlottetown or Smith Falls? People have nothing, but you can just see the the glow come al- along them. And everyone has their own, which is what I love about sports. And maybe we'll tackle this uh, in, in, in detail later. And if we don't, we don't. What I love about something like that is how everyone has their own take or spin on it. I remember some things. You remember other things. And nary the two ever meet, but it's our own memory of the run as they mm-hmm. say in that world well and the timberwolves um which is the junior a team in the maritime hockey league uh honored the packers in their 30th anniversary right. at uh, at a home game and i remember it was last season where the timberwolves were vying for their first championship ever in their existence yeah. two seasons ago yeah has it been two seasons yeah, already it, it has yes it has so this is 2017 and how we, uh, you know, talked about how it was had its similarities in the buzz around town yep. as the Packers did. Mm-hmm. Now, they never got 3000 in the rink, but they've got the biggest crowds ever mm-hmm. in that final series versus true that ends on a negative note. But um, it rejuvenated and, and got that feel back of what it was. 30 years before in a, in a, at a senior level. Well, all right, then uh, I agree with you 100%. And, and you, yourself and I and a few of our other colleagues at the Civic Center had a front row seat for that uh, run with the big crowd and, and game seven at the Civic Center. And it was packed and it was the place to be and people were looking for tickets and don't lie to me here. People were calling you going, do you have any tickets? Because they were in short supply. Mm-hmm. I think, Jerry, don't quote me, there's 1,804 seats in the Civic Center, plus your standing room, of course, and we like to stand in an arena, but mm-hmm. uh, let's travel down this road. It hasn't, for whatever reason, parlayed itself into any greater, longer-term successes for the good ship, Miramichi Timberwolves. We, they were there in that moment, and 
they're not there now. You see that every yeah, other they, Saturday night. They love to win and, and, and a love a winner, let's say. And, and, and of I course, guess you never got 3,000. You'd never get 3,000 back in the rink mainly because it's against the law. <laughs> I mean, back 30 years ago, yeah. you know, the fire marshal turned a blind eye, if you will, and, yeah. and uh, you cool. know, fill your boots, get as many in there as you can. The 50-50 was still $500. Mm-hmm. That's a joke. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> um, but you would never get that. Uh, the Timberwolves had, I guess, an equivalent crowd of what it would have been in 87 for what they could do legally on getting people into the rink. And uh, yes, it didn't parlay. And I remember... Oh, even back in the days in uh, St. John, New Brunswick, where the Flames captured the Calder Cup. And then the St. John Sea Dogs, who were Quebec Major Junior, mm-hmm. were then moving into this brand new harbor station. And they said, well, no, this is a senior town. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, this isn't going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And now it has been. Just like I thought at the time, the difference between senior and junior a and how there was a senior following and and patty you know even after the cycle of new brunswick senior hockey had gone through because it's always a cycle Mm -hmm. you always start everybody's a competitive team and then everybody wants to get richer by getting more players that cost more money and never does it end well because everybody just outspends each other and somebody folds and then you got a two-team league three-team league right and it just fades away but always there was an underlying following for senior hockey. Now, it wasn't at a New Brunswick level. It became a North Shore level. Yeah. And still there was that following where you wanted to watch. And at that time, it was uh, after the Packers had uh, been there and gone and the Tim Horton Leafs came in and, and those types of, of uh, ventures in the senior world. It was always when you wanted to go watch guys you knew. You wanted to go and watch fellas that worked in the community that played senior say, hockey you worked with there was an attachment yeah and even in when you remember miramichi senior hockey league yeah and you had rogersville bay st anne you Renews. had nigwak uh renews mm-hmm. and you had a team in chatham and the team in chatham played on tuesday night mm-hmm. during the winter yeah. what else are you gonna do yeah that's right you're gonna go to the rink sure number two it was you knew the players on the ice. Number three, you'd have a good laugh. Number four, you'd probably see a fight or two, and you'd see a couple of good goals. It was a great entertain, uh, evening of entertainment on a Tuesday night. Yeah, Tuesday being Especially the key. Especially Bay St. Anne was coming in, or Rogersville sure. was coming in. But it, what, where I'm going with all this, it was always a senior, underlying senior following in this area before Junior A came along. So uh, listen, what, 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 are you, what are you saying there? Are, are we a senior town? Is that what you're... Is- well, for the longest time, I thought, mm-hmm. and now seniors come and gone, and it's it's a, you know, it's not as prevalent as it used to be. And, and let me jump in there. Uh, in between Packers and Timberwolves, we had the great run of Tim Hortons Leafs. Yes, you know that like, was a big money machine. Well, that was well. Just think about it now. Okay. Bringing in a fellow like Link Gates mm-hmm. to play senior hockey in northern new brunswick well uh jacques mayotte was another that didn't cost that was that wasn't cheap jacques the mailman mayotte was yes. unbelievable or was he he wasn't leaves was he no he would have been packers i think he was still packers yeah 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 near right. the end of the pack him and run. doug the hammer cross paths yes right well, they were jockeying for a position near the end of the packer run it was the fellows like doug the hammer smith and mayotte that came that were um look at uh jimmy kelly would would stand on the uh, uh, the uh, standing room area and would love to see a fight. He always loved to fight. Yeah. And I think as Miramichiers, we always enjoyed that aspect of the game. Sure. 
And those two guys supplied that. Plus, you had the skill and the talents of, you know, Rock Bois and all the, you know, the other, the other talented players that they had up front that were fast and quick and could score. And there was a complete package when you went to see the Packers and or which rolled over into the Tim Horton Leafs. You were guaranteed to see some hard hitting action, some great plays and controversy, all that wrapped up in one evening. I don't remember seeing a Miramichi Tim Hortons Leafs game at the Miramichi Civic Center because I was away, went to school, and then subsequently worked in Cape Breton. But I have a really bizarre mm-hmm. connection to the Tim Horton Leafs traveling to Truro from Cape Breton, which would be, what, an hour and a half, two hours away, mm-hmm. give or take, to see the Leafs in Truro. That was a big outing. Like, holy cow. One of the marquee players for them. Not only the, the imports that they brought in, like uh, like Link Gates and so forth, but... Um, Danny Cormier was always one that they, the Packers always wanted. I don't think he ever played a, a game with the Tim Horton Leafs. But number two is, um, and you, I, I think his jersey is now in still in the rink, but I think it's a framed jersey. They took it down from the uh, ceiling yeah. in Gilles de Grasse. Uh, Yannick. Uh, Yannick de Grasse. Yeah. And Yannick tragically died in a car accident. Uh, in his prime, mm-hmm. he was from Shippigan, drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers, and was playing for the Tim Horton Leafs. So he was one of those uh, iconic players that they had, and the people loved him, and he loved the area. But the crowds even then were still great because, Crazy. again, yes. it was a senior hockey town. It was a senior hockey town. It was before the Timberwolves which would have arrived, which would have been Timberwolves arrived in, in 2000 because there was a lull after that because, again, with senior hockey, you get so high priced that you can't afford to well, run it anymore and teams fall to the well, wayside and you can't have a two-league team. The, the, the proof in the pudding, it, it collapsed in Truro, hence the Bearcats junior team. It collapsed in Campbellton, hence the junior Tigers. It collapsed here. Uh, no fault of anyone's, just time and circumstance and economics. Um, Charlottetown is another one. I don't remember Summerside ever in a senior league. I, uh, Charlottetown Islanders for sure. Oh, no. The St. John Vitos were big. St. John. Yeah. Uh, and then you had the Dartmouth Moosehead Mounties, as I recall. Fredericton was always seemed to have a team. Yeah. You know, it was, it was in its day. It was entertaining with some good, talented players in their in their uh, early to mid 20s. Uh, very entertaining, lots of fun. But, you, you know, uh, and it was hard hitting. And, you know, most of those guys all had jobs. And that's the thing about senior hockey. They had a job to go to the next day. They got right. a lot of them. I know a lot of them got paid well to play. But there was that chance of getting injured. And then your livelihood of what you do on a full-time basis gets affected. So mm. I certainly appreciate the sacrifice and, and or the time that was spent by these uh, senior players to play. <laughs> uncertainty of am I going to get through this game and be able to get up to go to work tomorrow right you know I can't I can't imagine what kind of uh, stress that might have on a player but again in your early 20s late 20s you know everything was pretty freewheeling I would think here you and I have a history uh, and uh, credit where credit is due Uh, would it be what oh three ish when the sea dogs came into town or oh five ish sea dogs were oh five all right so you were the first Play-by-play voice of the St. John Sea Dogs and CFBC in St. John, which was Tom Young's channel. Right. Tom had... Uh, talk of the town. Talk of the town. Oh my God. AM. It was AM 690, I believe. And um, that was that was his show. And he was the... Uh, you know, when you, you tuned in, I think he was probably a 9 to 12 or a 9 to 1 type of shift. Yeah. He would have that that morning slot of a call-in show and he'd have guests and so forth. But anyways, that was his station. So CFPC uh, took it upon themselves to do the Sea Dogs and hired me to do so. The next year was when 
um, Rogers came to town, Rogers uh, Radio. They had uh, 88.9 News Talk Sports mm-hmm. in St. John. They had 91.9 in Moncton, and they still do have 95.7 in Halifax. That's the only one they kept after about five years, I think. That format didn't seem to work for New Brunswick. Mm-hmm. You know, they had... Um, Weather, traffic reports. Traffic and weather and, together. Yes. Right. I love the station myself. I love talk radio, and I enjoyed it immensely. And not only did they have talk radio during the um, the week on a regular basis, each guy had his own show that they had and news at the top of every hour and the bottom of every hour. But on the weekends, they had the Blue Jays on, mm-hmm. and they would have uh, um, whatever sporting. Uh, they might go to ESPN Radio. They might go to whatever, and they had that going. So then I didn't have to tune in, you know, six sixty out of New York City WFAN right. on the in the nighttime to hear sports talk, and I, I love that. But again, it didn't it didn't work for Rogers in the uh, province of New Brunswick, and thus. You know, so when that happened, when we transitioned to Rogers, they said to me, well, do you want to do Moncton instead of St. John? Because we have somebody that can do St. John. I said, fine. Because I was living in Miramichi, Patty. Mm-hmm. I was driving to St. John. And uh, Scott Briggs is a is a journalist at the uh, Telegraph Journal. Yeah. And uh, I would stay with him some nights. Because they would play the very next day. I'd play, I'd play a Friday night and then be home. And then any road game, they just picked me up on the bus and we went on the road. Mm-hmm. But it's a two and a half, three hour drive right. to St. John. So it was, quite a, it was quite a commitment on my part. Sure. I enjoyed it immensely. And then they said, okay, well, we're going to have Moncton Wildcats on radio. Moncton Wildcats had never been on radio on a consistent basis so i became the first voice for them and came into the league in, in 90, 91.9 and came into the league in 1996 and never had traveled down that road i don't, I don't understand no. that one yeah uh, and when i say came in the league in 96 I'm, I'm kind of well i'm right to say wildcats but prior to that there was that ill-fated alpines year in but, 1995 so sorry go ahead but you know the radio business yes i mean it's about can we make money from it yeah and when you have commercial radio that plays music and it's cheaper to play music than it is to have pay Jerry Green to be in uh, Gatineau for two and a half hours and, uh, and so forth, not enough revenue generated. So I can appreciate over the time, you know, that there wasn't any takers yeah. for broadcasting the Wildcats and their existence in Moncton. So then you have a news talk sports. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. That is what they do. Right. And that's how it started. It was a nice marriage. You and I cross paths and I'll throw myself here. So original Sea Dogs, original Wildcats, and then we end up doing Miramichi Timberwolves games uh, together. <laughs> many. Uh, many. And uh, look, at we could go on all night. Um, but of course, you didn't. You did the games before I did. Yes, I did. I had a couple of years with uh, Hoppy Dunn. Well, uh, here we, here we are. May he rest. How many in minutes peace. into this uh, into this podcast <laughs> talking hockey? Be it the Packers, uh, uh, Tim Horton Leafs, and such, and haven't mentioned his name yet. So, well, look at if you want to travel down that road real quickly before we get to where you and I intersect, other than Timberwolves, uh, and we'll go back to the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League real briefly too, and then we'll get back to Miramichi uh, at some point here in time. But in case you haven't noticed, folks, uh, we do like to talk. Um, yeah, done. Of course, from the headwaters. I mean, who who doesn't remember that? Everyone has memories of uh, that. Um, so you had Packers, and arguably, hands down, uh, not arguably, uh, hands down, firm, uh, their number one cheerleader. 
Um, senior hockey cheerleader. No one ever I lost a senior fight hockey. on the road. You know yeah. how that went. Yeah. And uh, no one ever, we never got outshot on the road. And uh, he could polish a turd with the best of them if there was a turd that needed polishing. Or mm-hmm. he was their greatest champion uh, when there was one. Then fast forward to Leafs, we intersect on uh, Timberwolves and... Uh, Ah, boys, uh, I'd love to say uh, I was his color man and um, play-by-play partner, but I, th- I think my <laughs> I can laugh at it now, and uh, folks that know him knew him well and know exactly where I'm going with this. I was more, I was part-time babysitter, part-time color guy, mm-hmm. right? And that's just the nature of the drill. And uh, chaperone. A chaperone is a good chef de mission, if you yeah. will. Uh, look, at I could go on all night, and some of the stories that, look, at I guarantee you people wouldn't even believe some of the times when I start going down that road and someone will say, tell me a story about Hop, um, I kind of catch myself by time going, geez, did that really happen? You know what I mean? Like they're so from out in left field, if you will, that you go, am I, am I making this up right now or did that happen? And uh, whew, the list is long as that. So fast forward, uh, nothing but great memories. And uh, may he rest. Well, and just quickly on that, when I came in 87, um, uh, Hoppy was uh, uh, Ian Byers, who ran their local radio station, CFAN, had the foresight to, because the Packers, during that whole playoff run, Pat, Patty, were all home. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to go on the road. Mm-hmm. Teams came to them. Well, they know they, the Dartmouth Moose had Mounties. They had to go there. But I don't think Hoppy did games out of there. He did no. the home games yeah. from, in the corner where the Zamboni comes out to the, if you're looking to the uh, west of the rink, the west end of the rink, where the Zamboni comes right. out, that'd be the West End, wouldn't it? He'd sure. be off to the left-hand side in that area where that uh, St. John Ambulance office is right. and, and so forth and ran a line out of there. Him and Gord Christie did play-by-play and color during the run to the <laughs> Hardy Cup. I'm just thinking it would be at ground level for sure. Yes, it was ground level. <laughs> you wouldn't want to include too many stairs in the equation. So then when I arrived and Byers <laughs> hired me, I was then became... Uh, hoppy sidekick yeah and we would on the bus go to Campbellton and all the other places Fredericton and say we went everywhere uh, we did every road game didn't do home games then right just did all the road games because yeah. of course as buyers Ian Byers who was a very uh, much of a businessman wouldn't want to affect and I think the the Packers were feeling the same way um, I think the only reason Patty it really started that they had to broadcast games because nobody else could get in right you couldn't get in so mm-hmm. let's why don't we do the game we're not going to hurt the gate Let's do the games. And then, of course, ever the businessman, there's right. revenue. Said, I'm not going to affect your revenue by doing home games. Right. We'll just do your road games. Right. And that's how it all started. I remember we were in Campbellton, just the infamous line. Um, and uh, every time you had to go to Campbellton, get up in the broadcast booth, which was in the end zone. Mm-hmm. It wasn't in the middle of the ice. No. So you had to go through Red Willette's office, who is the rink manager. And Red Willette yes. was... Um, Drafted in the NHL, played for Chicago, mm-hmm. and we'd sit down there and talk for a little bit before we went up to the broadcast booth, which was a, which was a, uh, 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 an awkward little through this bad area, up these stairs, cross along there. Yeah. It was it was like a, a maze to get up there. Anyways, so we're doing uh, one. I think might have been in the first game or something. And Patty uh, Hoppy's all fired up, and uh, the girl comes out to sing the national anthem, or maybe it was a guy. Anyways, the line up you had was, well, that's, that's no Roger Doucette, but we're ready to go. <laughs> now, Roger Doucette was yeah. famous for O Canada at the uh, Forum in Montreal and, you know, a great opera singer that, yeah, you yeah. know, really pumped out yeah. a, in old Canada. 
And that was his opening line away we went. That was the first him, him and I on the first broadcast we ever did. Uh, that was his line to start it and off. And that's one of those moments. And look, at you had many of them. I had many of them where you just kind of go, oh, my God, did you just say that? Woodstock comes into the league. And when I accepted uh, Hoppy's award for the Miramichi City Sports Wall of Fame, I told this story, just, uh, you know, one of the anecdotes that I could tell. Um, and that was a few years ago. Um, so you remember the drill. Woodstock comes into the league. And uh, they miss a memo. They don't know that uh, there are teams who are broadcasting. And I believe at the time, in defense of that, it would have been us. Maybe Summerside. And, and Summerside, Summerside for sure. Radio and Summerside yeah. was big on sport. So we get there and uh, they're like, yeah, what are you two doing? We're like, well, we're here to broadcast the game. And everyone, and look at there, and look at there's no glamour in doing a radio broadcast at these arenas. We were talking in preparation for this. You're broadcasting on top of Zamboni doors or mm-hmm. in the crowd mm-hmm. or in a bar or mm-hmm. in a canteen mm-hmm. or in between men's and women's washrooms. And it sounds all well and fine on the air, but uh, the struggle to get on the air is, is astronomical sometimes. Anyways, long story short, there's nothing. They're, they're not prepared for us. And we have the pressure on. Like we got to get this game on the air somehow, some way, and you've been there. So we have our big spool of blue phone cable, and you know what I'm talking yeah. about. And I said, well, worst case, we'll just tap into something in your office. No one's going to be calling the Carlton Civic Center at 8 o'clock at night with a question about when family skating is. So we'll just tie up that line, and we'll do it from wherever. It really doesn't matter that, uh, and again, you can get away. There's some certain liberties you can take with radio. It doesn't have to be spot on because no one can see anyways. I hate to give up the the, the mystery <laughs> there. all the secrets out. <laughs> yeah, no. uh, but anyways, uh, this guy goes, you know what? I'm going to take a shot at this. So he goes and leaves us to our own devices. And you know what I mean when I say to our own devices? He comes back and he goes, guys, I got the fix. And we were like, oh, great, perfect. He goes, the only the only catch to this is is that it's in the bar, which he's kind of apologizing. Like, I'm going to put you guys in the bar. And I'm looking at Don because, you know, what, you know, being put in a bar would be like kid in a candy store. And he'd jump up out of that seat. I can still see him spring out of that seat. Um and he goes, well, that's awful unprofessional of you guys to put us in a bar over here in Woodstock, but lead the way anyways, and we'll try it make it work. And I, I just remember the gentleman was taking us down the hallway. He's in the middle, and I'm behind. He turns around and gives me the, the we're going to be okay here, kid. Okie dokie. <laughs> so you and I had the pleasure one time of um, the first ever, 2010, am I right in saying this? The first time two yeah. teams from outside Quebec were fighting for the President right, the Cup. the spring of 2010. In the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Nothing but great memories of that series. And when I say we did the series, we only did the Moncton side of the series. Uh, other colleagues did the um, St. Yeah, John. Yeah, Rogers so, TV was covering it. Kennedy, so. I think, did St. John, right? I, 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 so. I would guess. I would, I would assume so. Um, so, look, at all I remember of that was Riapel standing on his head. Um, I remember uh, David Savard, who's now in Columbus, correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. Um, Mark Barbario. Barbario Horrific was there. Um, oh, no, they had talent up front. Uh, the other thing that I remember from, and, and roll your eyes all you want here, I just looked it up. Cameron Barbario, Brandon, the Brandon Cannon. I remember mm-hmm. you. <laughs> McCoslin was a, a local product. Yeah, the imports would have been uh, Gabriel Bork. He was one they would have acquired in trades because Moncton was always about acquiring players rather than drafting. Even though they drafted, well, Barbaria was acquired in a trade. So was David Savard. <laughs> they were drafted by other teams in the league, and they made astute trades to get them. Um, and I think but correct- they, they would acquire a lot of great players to take a run. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, that was the big coming out party for those two Sonier twins, too. Am I right in saying that? Uh, yeah, I think they were... Um, Rookies. Yeah. But it was the introduction to what would become. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the other side of it, though, Patty, uh, uh, names of, of players 
that the fans would recognize even to this day. Hockey fans would. Are we talking this series? Yes. Okay. For St. John, Jonathan Huberto was playing in just yes. his second. It might, no, he might have been a rookie then in 2010. And on the uh, as, as well on their lineup, um, they had um, Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman was a free agent that St. John had acquired from the Ontario Hockey League that played uh, with the Sea uh, Dogs that went on, of course, is still thriving. Matter of fact, they're on the same team now. Mike Hoffman and Huberto yeah. play for the Florida Panthers. Here's a couple of quick ones. I just looked it up here. Uh, Kirkpatrick, uh, Peterson Galiev, who was a rock star at the yes. time, but never really uh, broke yes. through. Uh, Bolu went on to be a first rounder. Yes. Uh, Phillips was a first rounder who Bolu's never quite puffed Buffalo, through. Yeah. Um, and the list goes on and on and on there. And uh, Tyrone Sock comes to mind. I remember him playing a couple of games, uh, and then he ended up uh, as a Miramichi Timberwolves. Uh, the goaltenders here, and I don't remember who was the... I would say Cousineau was the guy or St. Laurent. Uh, no, I think it's Cousineau. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cousineau would have been the guy, but it, the, the, the amazing thing about that was because of uh, the emergence of the uh, Sea Dogs on the scene and the way they built their team to win championships, and they still do it that way in St. John. They've won a couple of, uh, if not three championships and one Memorial Cup. Um, they build by the draft, and that was their year from 05 up to 2010. So they were in the final 2010, won it in 2011. Yeah. So that's what they were building towards. And Gerard Gallant was just unbelievable yes gerard was the man then and of course gerard's still the man in in uh, vegas and how exciting that was for him last year for them one final thought on that don't think for a minute we won't open this can of worms but uh we'll do so briefly uh don't think for one minute that the league brass in 2010 weren't oh i said that to you in a state of panic because for the first time ever ever there was going to be no Quebec team in the final, and it was an all Maritime centric one. And but mm-hmm. I would make the case that without the Maritimes, the Quebec League is not near to the level oh, as the no, other two competing it. leagues yeah, in the no. uh, the Ontario and Western Hockey League. They needed expansion for yeah, sure, absolutely. and there's still only 18 teams, and there's far more than that in the OHL and WHL, which is the Western Hockey League and the Ontario Hockey League. But you know, think about it just for a second. Little Northern New Brunswick, Acadie Bathurst, sure, the, crazy, the Teton, yeah, won the hundredth. Memorial Cup last year. Right. The team before that that won it, not the Memorial Cup, but the league championship I'm talking about. So Bathurst wins the league championship and the Memorial Cup. Um, before that, St. John won it. So mm-hmm. the two New Brunswick teams <laughs> have won the league championship. And before that, Patty, I'll challenge myself here. Um, before St. John won it, it was Runaranda. Runaranda had won it just before then. And uh, they made a... a uh, around that year. So it was Runaranda, St. John, and now St. John and Bathurst have won the last two championships in the queue. And again, Bathurst going on to win the Memorial Cup championship. And here's poor old Moncton still haven't won a Memorial Cup and how much they want it very badly. But if they just see how one's constructed is by drafting good players and building with a couple of uh, tweaks here and there mm-hmm. will get you a championship and Moncton hasn't figured that out yet. All right, can I throw this at you here? Let's just go backwards real quickly and then we'll get on to the next topic. Acadie Bathurst, uh, President's Cup, St. John, you're right, Ruin Aranda. Before that, Ramuski, Valdor, Halifax, so there's another Maritimer. St. John, St. John, Moncton, a three-year run that time, remember yeah. that? Prior to that. Right, 10, 11, 12. Yeah. Would have been Moncton, St. John, St. John. Prior to that, and don't think the league offices heads didn't explode. Uh, we had um, uh, Lewiston in 2006, 2007. Moncton, yeah, you 
U.S. championship I know. Team. Like, all hell would have broken loose there. All right, so we move onward and upward here. Um, where are we going now? You want to talk a little baseball, or what do you want to do? Well, we haven't. We've been. There's lots to talk about when it comes to hockey and, and, the, and the origin and, and the history of it here in this area, but uh, baseball has a huge history, too. Everyone has their own take, their own spin, their own memories of that John Can shot in 1995, the shot heard around Miramichi, if you will. And you were there? Yeah. I think it was a start of a time, Patty, where um, instead of feuding as minor baseball associations, they started to combine their forces. Well. And I think Can and Dunnett's era, um, it started then. Mm-hmm. I know there was still some guys behind the scenes that were certainly wanted to keep them separate and didn't like, you know, the cross but, but you know what? over. But this was a championship. This yeah. was a, and of course, Can and Dunnett and them and Burns. Uh, Burns came over from the Newcastle Senior Cardinals yeah. that can, came to play yeah. for the Ironman. And, and there was a huge rivalry there. We had two senior teams on this river. But impact players. You, you and can't, all kinds of great players. You, you can't imagine having won that tournament or gone to that tournament, let alone win it, without those guys. You no, had no, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, let's... Uh, but it was a predominant Miramichi team. There was a, a, a sprinkle of Fredericton players. I remember Kurt Allen in there. Yes, Kurt Allen was a was a big part. Maybe somebody from St. John and Moncton. Well, no, St. John was in the in the tournament. That's the wrinkle there that people often forget. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah, St. John Chatham was there as host. Uh, St. John was representing the province. Boys, Jerry, again, I wasn't there. Here, here's my take on it. 1994, Chatham Junior Ironman won the Atlantic Championship, uh, beat the Sackville Blazers over in Charlottetown, so we win the right to go to the Nationals the following year in Kitchener-Waterloo, and wouldn't you know it, as fate and luck would have it, it's the same week. And I remember calling back to, say, Daryl Matthews or whoever would be answering the phone in the booth, as we call it at Ironman Field, going, yeah, we're 0-1, yeah, we're 0-2, now we're 0-3, now we're 0-4, never won a game. Mm. And then how are you guys making it? Well, we're in the crossovers, we're in the semifinals, we're going to the gold medal, and you're just like, holy shit. Like, they're at home field, and we're 0-6 in Kitchener-Waterloo, half a world away. And then, of course, they win the championship. And I've seen the video. You were on the call, the old funny cables, I recall. I've seen it. Mm -hmm. And I know Greg Morris still has the footage. I think he still has it on VHS. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's time to digitize that. But any, anyways, long story short, everyone has a memory of that 95 can hit and that 95 uh, championship. Ironman, for the record, too, hosted nationals in 79, 95, 99, 11, and 15, and will do so in the summer of uh, 2018 as well. Um, one 2019. In, what did I say? 18. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, time to flip the calendar. One at 95. I believe bronze in 99, as memory serves mm-hmm. me. And had great runs. Uh, my my endearing memory of, of the uh, let's call it the modern era nationals post two thousand, just for the sake of this. And uh, you were there, and I kind of forget if it was either London or Windsor. I want to say the Windsor Stars. Maddie Jenkins just had a turn back the clock mm-hmm. day. That game, I'm telling you, was unbelievable. As good a performance as I can ever recall at it Iron was Field. Windsor. Yeah, I think it was Windsor Stars. And I'm telling you, it was one of those games. It seemed like it was in like an hour and 10 or 20 minutes. Both pitchers were mowing things down. And man, oh, man, nothing but uh, great memories. But um, like, here we are. We're going into August of 2019. We're going to host the Nationals. I guarantee you, on the Wednesday of the home run hitting derby, there'll be 1,500 to 2,000 people mm-hmm. there. I guarantee you, fast forward 24 hours for that 730 Thursday start where the Ironmen are playing that game. Guaranteed, although the schedule is a long way off, I guarantee you they're playing that 738 o'clock slot. Mm-hmm. There'll be 2,500 to 3,000 people here, but 
look at where are they every other Thursday when Moncton St. John Fred Ignar are in town you know I, I just I struggle with that 3,000 on one Thursday the following Thursday when Moncton's in town there's 125 or 200 and uh, look I totally understand it's a nationals and we're buying into the it's hype it's an event yeah. it's the, the event I totally get mm-hmm. it but you know I would make the same case for the Timberwolves you know where are fans how does 2,500 show up for game seven against Truro home opener the following year six to eight hundred um, but anyways, that's uh, another story. So uh, off baseball for a moment. Uh, of course, that can one uh, resonates. But I remember trying to think what year it was where, again, Ian Byers at CFM was a big sports guy. Mm-hmm. And I think he had, you know, sponsors that wanted sports to be on the air. Sure. And in one or two or maybe even three seasons, most than two seasons, we had both the Ironman on the air, on radio, and the Cardinals on air, oh, on radio. Well, Hoppy listen. did the Cardinals. I did the Ironman. Well, radio play-by-play of baseball in New Brunswick Senior League. I'm just going to wet my whistle here with a delicious uh, can of uh, Diet Pepsi. Rocket Ooh. fuel. Just buy. Just get the high test and be done with the diet. You go regular there's over. No, be, no, there's no advantage of getting diet. You go re- throwing aspartame in your body. You go regular Pepsi over diet Pepsi. Absolutely. Oh my God, you're aspartame dead. Aspartame gives me a headache. And you're, all like that. <laughs> you're dead to me right now. We could go on and on and on, yeah. and uh, we did, and uh, maybe we'll do it again. <laughs> sure, anytime. <laughs> my goodness. And we just tip of the iceberg, really. There's lots There's lots of things oh. and tracks we can go down here. Thanks so much uh, for listening in. And if we uh, forgot anything or glossed things over or neglected someone, uh, we'll, we'll get you uh, down the road. Are we content to leave it there? Sure. I'm all right with that. <laughs>